0: Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses is joining with us over in Appleton and in Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. And again, all of you at uh, Stevens Point and Appleton, all those who watch us on television all over north and central uh, Wisconsin, and um, those who watch us on the internet as well. Thousands, I believe the last service had a little over 7,000 views. (laughs) So people all over the world. Some of the fun comments that we get from people Uh, is very exciting. Uh, This Sunday uh, morning at our our various campuses, we have our ministry expo, so uh, you'll be able to see tables and stuff set up where we show you all the various ministry opportunities. There's also a connection guide that you can get, or most of you already have, maybe, uh, where it'll describe all the different ministries and stuff. So take a look at that. You want to find places where you can get plugged in and connected with people. You get connected On purpose, everybody say on purpose. purpose. It doesn't just happen by magic. Why is it important to get connected? Because God uses people to touch your life. Now, He uses us in a service like this, but you just sitting next to some stranger for an hour once a week is not connecting with people. And uh, the best way you can do it is look for an opportunity of ministry or a connecting group or all the different things that we have throughout our campus ministries and find some place where you can get connected, some place you can serve, where you can help and bless others. Look for opportunities. I know the very common thing, often preached to, and there's a little bit of truth to it actually this idea of follow your heart, follow your dreams. Uh, but I believe a more practical and clearer advice is follow your opportunities. Look for opportunities. Watch God because if you you say, Well, I believe in my dream. Well, if God's really behind your dream, He will confirm it with opportunities. All right, look for opportunities. Just following your dream, I got to follow my heart, my dream. You think would make sense, but it doesn't. All you got to do is look at crazy people. (laughs) You know, what's that talent show, uh, American Idol? What they have these tryouts, right? But 30,000 people show up, they all think. They're the one, and they are delusional, all right? I love watching the first part where the terrible people sing, and it's so funny. And they get mad when they get voted out. It's like, nobody told you you stink? You need new friends, man, you know? And they get mad and say, I'm gonna follow my dream. Well, you know, seriously? Anyway, reality check. Look for opportunities. This is your chance to look for opportunities where you can connect with people. Look for opportunities where you can minister and help. And there's all kinds of volunteering opportunities in the church. And don't just wait for a voice to tell you what to do or revelation. The Bible says whatever you can find, do it with all your heart. All right? Look for the opportunities, even if it's something you don't like to do. If you don't know what to do, find something you hate to do and then volunteer for that. It's called serving, right? Serving. You serve people. Right? I know a lot of people that struggle with this because they're trying to find something you know, that's of their caliber of life. There's not a lot of caliber to serving a communion tray, right? Opening a door, changing a poopy diaper. Most of you are overqualified for all of those things, (laughs) all right? It's called serving. Find some place you can serve and do it with all your heart. One of the programs that we have uh, throughout our our campus, uh, throughout our church ministries is... uh, the uh, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace uh, program that we are launching. Uh, It's going to be on Tuesday nights. Again, you can find it in your connecting guide. Uh, There's no other area of life that will suck the life out of you than your money if it's not being handled right. And I know everybody believes the problem with their money is they don't have enough of it. (laughs) Right? If I just had more money. But I promise you, there's people there's are such bad habits that are ingrained in you. We give you more money and you'll still be in the same mess. In fact, some of you get big raises and you think this is it, and then a year later, you're in the same toilet you were before you got the raise. I've seen people whose incomes have doubled and they're in a worse shape after the income doubled than before. Why? Because of bad habits with money. This program will show you how to handle money. Let's have a little video clip here and promo it for you.
1: The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Are you really going to make the hard choices to change your life? We had 40,000 in student loans, 17,000 in cars. I owned a rental property. and had a line of credit, just stuff. I had 16 credit cards. The proverb says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes... We paid off $83,000. Wow! When desire comes... $144,000. When
0: desire comes... $450,000 in the last seven years. Wow! It is the tree of life.
1: God says this is how you get out of debt. You gotta run, run,
0: run, 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 run!
1: run. There is no doubt that this process called Financial Peace University works. The only question is whether you're going to be involved. And so if you haven't signed up yet, now is the time.
0: Now is the time. Sign up. See what you can learn. You think, well, I think I'm okay. Well, you can always be better. You want to constantly be learning. It's a great opportunity to see what the Bible says about how to succeed with money. Believe it or not, God wants you to succeed. He does because he wants you to be able to bless other people. And you can't bless other people if you don't have jack squat. Somebody say amen. Amen. Right? You can give when you have to give. Get your life in a good place where you can start to handle money in a good way. This morning is also Mission Sunday throughout our church campuses. We'll be giving extra at the end of the service for our missions outreach. Last year was a good year for us. Let's take a look at slide number one. Last year, well before 2015, 147,000. This year, 209,000. So Says a lot better. We're trusting God that this next year will be even higher, not only giving financially, but people who went on missions trips. In 2015, 11 people went. Last year, 47 were on track this year for 60 people to be going, leaving this church to go overseas on some of these mission trips, and we're excited about that. If this is something you'd like to do, talk to your uh, campus pastor and look for the opportunity where you can come and serve. Speaking of missions, one of our uh, home missions uh, backers that we back is uh, Jimmy Brasher. Many of you know him. Uh, Jimmy uh, is, is a, w- a wonderful friend. He uh, goes into places where most people would never be able to go. He goes into prisons and uh, and just crazy places. <laughs> bars, all kinds of places, and churches all over the place, sharing the gospel of Jesus, a fabulous blues guitarist. And he uses his music as an opportunity to open doors to minister and and share the gospel with him. And we back him and many of his outreaches that he does. Uh, He's going to be joining us today. He came up, him and his wife, Sherry, uh, at the beginning, for the last week they've been up here with us. We did a little winter retreat up north where we did some snowmobiling. It was fabulous Fabulous trails up north, and I uh, got a little nippy. <laughs> 15 below zero. <laughs> you know, but but we had a great time. We brought in the new year. Together was fun. We also had some people from the church at uh, our Green Bay campus and our Stevens Point campus. I don't think anybody from the Appleton campus uh, was up there with us, but uh, we just had fun uh, bringing in the new year and celebrating, and the music is playing, and we're dancing. Wait a minute, that was just me. Nobody else did anything a bunch of geezers. Good grief. I don't want to mention any names or her initials are Andrea. There's a few other ones around here too. They were with us, these people. And I some of them are 20 years younger than I am. All right? There was more energy at nursing homes on New Year's Eve than at where we were at. It was 10:30. Oh, we need to go to bed. They were wide, so we actually celebrated the ball coming down at 11 because they needed to be in bed at 11.02. So I need to get some people with some blood pumping through them next year. But anyway, <laughs> Herman Pratchett was one of them. <laughs> Jimmy's here to sponsor. Would you give it up for Jimmy Bratcher?
1: Well, I'm offended. <laughs> Not really. He told the truth. We celebrated East Coast time at 11 o'clock. I was in bed at 1102. (laughs) But it was great. It's always great when I get the call to come and hang out with all 'all. y'all. Thank you. It's a wonderful thing. And you all have been helping us. And uh, Mark mentioned that you helped us last year with a couple of outreaches that well, actually three that we did. Mark came down in June and we did a prison outreach where we drove uh, We drove 1,300 miles in Kansas in in our van called the White Pearl. The White Pearl is a white trash treasure. (laughs) It is. And uh, Mark said Mark said every time that we started up He feels like we're tempting God. (laughs) So we're about to replace the white pearl. But Mark came down and did that. And then in August, we were invited to play at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally at the Buffalo Chip. That's not the Buffalo Chip Church, by the way. And we got to open for Willie Nelson. Willie (laughs) himself. And Everybody always wants to know, did you meet Willie? And the answer is No. Because Willie wasn't feeling very good. After all, he's 83. And so Willie hired the Hell's Angels to come in backstage and make sure nobody talked to him. And so right before he got ready to go on stage, our drummer, Terry Hancock, was back in the bus and that you all, by the way, leased for rented for us to take. We had a crew of 13 people that went. Bunch of guys from the church came, flew to Kansas City, and went with us and, and worked so hard. It was fabulous. But Terry stayed in the bus and Hells Angels came to the door of Willie's bus and opened it up. And as they opened the door, a big plume of smoke came out. <laughs> and Willie stepped out. And uh, it was something to see. He, uh, he's 83. He had his 85-year-old sister playing piano. It was a treat. And... Uh, And then just a few weeks ago, a crew from the church came down to help us with our winter prison crusade that we do. Uh, Every year we go to to a couple of prisons. They got to go to one prison with us that uh, is all elderly men. So the whole prison are just elderly men or men that are at risk in population. It's one of the most hopeless places that I've ever been because most of those men will never get out of prison because their sentence will exceed their life. But they got to go there, and then we did a club date at Knucklehead Saloon in Kansas City. And then we had a black ice storm, so they didn't go anywhere. They were in the hotel the rest of the time, but we had a great time hanging out. But you all help us do that through your missions giving, and it's such a blessing for you to be able to do that. Today, my wife Sherry is with you. I know many of you haven't met Sherry. Sherry, why don't you stand up so everybody can know who you are? A lot of times when I come up, I come by myself because I'm just flying in and flying out and and Sherry stays home, but she's glad to be here. And and, uh, she's a great lady, y'all need to get to know her. I would like to make an official announcement this morning. Today, it's official. I am a Packer fan. But next week, I'll be a Chiefs fan. And the crowd went mild. <laughs> so anyway, but today I am a Packer Packer fan. And I'm glad to hang out with all you cheese heads. I need some cheese head stuff to take home with me. But it's it's great. And uh, I'm actually going to the game. So it'll be the first time I've got to experience that. And I'm excited about that. But today I want to talk to you about having a life full of good things, a life full of good things. You know, it's New Year's, the New Year's just started. We're all making resolution, resolutions. And have you noticed that most of the resolutions that you make are all about the things that you don't like about your life or yourself? And so I like to spin that a little bit. And I like for you to think about making some resolutions to think about, to meditate on, to ponder, and just acknowledge the good things that you already have in your life. Think about what your life would be like and how it would change and how your attitude would be different if you were just constantly full thinking about the good things that you already have in your life. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philemon chapter one. There's only one chapter, verse six, and I want to grab a verse out of there and then we're going to go. And I've got some exciting things to talk to you about this morning. Philemon one, six, it says this. I'm reading out of the King James Bible, the official King James Bible, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. I love this verse, and it's a foundation verse in my life and what I do, because it says here that our faith is not going to be effective until we are acknowledging the good things that our faith has already brought to us. So we need to be those people that instead of, you know, we can, we can work on those things that we don't like, we can work on those things that are weak. In fact, Sherry's already told me that tomorrow when we go home, she's putting me on a diet. How many of you heard that? So we can work on those things, which we should, But how about we spend our time acknowledging the good things that are in us? The Bible says here we do that. Then all of a sudden our faith, our believing becomes effective. And, you know, you ever get around somebody that's just got that spirit about them? They've got their eyes focused on all those good things. They've got their heart focused constantly beating and pumping and thinking about and meditating on and their life is just consumed with it. You know what those people are like? They're infectious. They're the people you want to be around. They're the people you want to be. And it comes by having effective faith by us acknowledging the good things that are in us. So if you and I were to focus on all of these good things that are in us, what would we be talking about right now? For some of you, you'd have a hard time finding anything good. And to you, I would say, then it's time that you quit trusting your own judgment and start looking outside of yourself for someone to define you that has something good to show you about yourself. I believe we live in a culture and we are at a critical, pivotal moment in time where people throughout this planet are waiting for somebody who has an eye that can see the good in them. After all, that's what Jesus did for us. He saw the value in us. God saw the value in you and I. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, God had value for us. Christ died for us. And we need to be a representation of those same values and character that God has for people. We need to be those people that are those that are speaking to people about the good things that we see in them. We might have to be prophetic. We might have to speak in faith, but we can speak the truth because the Bible reveals to us the value that God sees in us. We need to find some good in people. One of the good things that I love about my life and about the kingdom is the family. I grew up in a big with a big family. My dad had 11 siblings. And ma'am, when we had a family reunion, it was massive. I mean, we took a whole park all by ourselves. It was massive. And I just remember those times growing up. I loved those times. The family's getting together and we're going to go and we're going to hang out. We're going to eat fried chicken. We're going to play games. And I was one of the youngest. So I took the brunt of most of the abuse. But I still loved it. Because the family was getting together. And then I come into the kingdom and then I got all y'all. And everywhere I go, I meet family. Because we're related and we're connected by the blood of Jesus. And I find those good things in the family in you. Those good things that you represent and bring out of me. It's an absolutely wonderful life. Because God is this huge family fanatic. That's what this whole planet is about. All of creation is about God's desire to be a father with a family and for us to be connected, enjoying the good things that each of us have to offer. One of the great things I love about family is they're always there. Even when you're having an attack of stupid, they're always there. You know what I'm saying? And if they're a really good family, they're going to tell you the truth when you're having an attack of stupid. They're going to speak to you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to get up in your face. They're still going to love you. They're going to drag you out of the ditch and say, come on, we're family. We're connected. We're not going to fail here. You're not going to stay here. We're going to pick you up and you're going to go through it. But like Mark said earlier, if you don't make those connections with each other, you'll never have that type of relationship. And those relationships are so pivotal and so valuable. So much of the good things that I find in us started when we were born again. You know, and I'm all about just the meat and potatoes of the word of God. You know, I like the foundational stuff because I know if I hang around the foundational stuff, I'm never going to get away from the foundation. I like the simple things, those things that are just the simplistic, the simplicity of the gospel. And so a lot of the good things that are in you right now that you need to be acknowledging happened when you were born again, when you were born again. And so I have seven things that I want to go through real quick. And by the way, if if I go too fast, Sherry will tell me to slow down. But I can't because there's a clock on the back of the wall that I have to obey. And so if I go too fast, sorry, baby, I'm not disobeying you. It's just it's a time deal. But if I do go too fast and if you would like a copy of my notes, you can email me and I'll be glad to send them to you. My email address is just Jimmy, J-I-M-M-I-E dot Bratcher, B-R-A-T-C-H-E-R at com. So anyway. The good things, we're acknowledging those good things. We're going to spend 2017 thinking about good things. We're going to spend 2017 declaring those good things, acknowledging those good things that are in us. And those things started when we were born again. When we were born again, number one, we became a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now, Sherry and I, we just celebrated our 40th consecutive year of marriage. And for those of you that know our story, we were married and it was so bad that my grandmother, granny, paid for our divorce. And then we got remarried. And we stumbled into a little church in Northwest Missouri with a marriage license and went up to the pastor. And the only way that he would marry us was if I would believe on Jesus. And so we had a little ceremony after church. We got down on our knees. We prayed the prayer. Jesus invaded our lives. And he stood us up at the end of the ceremony and told us to face each other. And he said, Sherry, you see, Jimmy, he doesn't have a past He said, Jimmy, you see, Sherry, she doesn't have a pass. And then he quoted Second Corinthians 517. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And Sherry and I, we took that seriously. And we, we created something we called the bloodline. It happened in our life on December 19th, 1976, the day that we were born again, the day that we became a new creature, the day that old things passed away and all things become new. We drew a line and we called it the bloodline and we, we made commitments to each other that we weren't going to go back across that bloodline into our past and grab a hold of the hurt and the pain that we caused each other and drag it forward into the present and experience it. When you were born again, you became a new creature. The Greek definition of that phrase means a species that didn't previously exist. You became different. Jesus didn't come to forgive your sins and make you better. He came and forgive your sins to make you alive. He came to make you a new creature, something that didn't previously exist. And we have no right to go back into our past, grab a hold of that hurt and pain, and bring it forward into the future. We became a new creature. We can acknowledge that. Number two. When we were born again, we got a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel prophesied about this in Ezekiel 36, 26. He said, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony heart, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. I love that. Somehow God does it when we're born again at that moment that faith comes alive in our heart and we believe on Jesus. He reaches into us, grabs our old, stony, hard, stubborn heart, jerks it out, gives us a new heart that's pliable, that's that's workable, that's responsive. And we get a new heart. And we're made new and we're different than we were before. Jeremiah talked about this new heart in Jeremiah 31, 33, And he said this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. So when you're born again, all of a sudden you've got the word of God living inside of you, pumping through your veins. It's there. It's written on your heart. That's why, you know, for me, before I came to Jesus, I didn't have any problems sinning. I was really good. I was a really good sinner. I've been around some of you all long enough to know you was really good sinners, too. And <laughs> you know, I tell people I had a Ph.D. in sinology. You know, I was an expert sinner. And but then I came to Jesus and I got this new heart. And all of a sudden I started hearing different voices in my heart that were contradicting the sin that I was trying to commit. And all of a sudden I began to learn that that way was better than the way I was going. So I just started to yield to the the law that was coming forth out of my heart that was written there on this new heart when I was born again. We receive a new heart and a new spirit. Number three, we receive a new nature. 2 Peter 1.4 says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. He gave us a new nature. I didn't know how, just how strong genetics DNA is until a few years back when I met my daughter Jessica for the first time, and she was 38 years old. I didn't, you know, I had no way of influencing her life. I'd never been around her. But yet when I met her, she was just like me. It was amazing. I'm in shock even today when we're together. It's like, she is just like me. I mean, she would even say, you know, all my life I've struggled because I couldn't figure out where I got this goofy personality from. And now I know it's from you. It's your fault. It's your fault. The first time that we met. I'd never heard her voice. I'd never seen her smile and I'd made up my mind. I was I'm going to say a word until she spoke to me. And I tell people, you know, I don't use words like hi or hello and a greeting because. I'm too cool for that. And uh, I'll say things like, hey. And we go to meet Jessica for the first time and we're standing there and the emotions are so thick and I don't know what's going to happen and I'm so expecting of her first word and we're standing there and she's facing me and she's so beautiful and she looks at me and she goes, hey. Hey. <laughs> You see, there are some things in you that you receive from your father at the new birth that are good things that are there that you need to be acknowledging. And he give you this new nature, this new genetic, this new DNA. And you're not what you were before. You are what he says you are right now. And it's time that we get busy acknowledging that fact that we are who God says we are. Number four, that's good stuff. I like preaching the gospel. Number four, to be born again is not just being forgiven from your sin. The word salvation is the Greek word sozo, and it has nine different meanings that encompass this this one word. And it means this to be healed saved, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, set apart, made whole, and rescued from judgment. These are all things that when you're born again are present tense, current experiential items, issues in your life. Let me read them again because it's so wonderful. Healed, saved, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, set apart, made whole, and rescued from judgment. This isn't something that you have to beg God to get him to do in your life. This is something that because of what Jesus did, he has already accomplished this in your life. It's our job to take hold of them, to believe them, and bring them to ourselves so that we experience those things as well. Number five, to be born again, we, re- we experience the radical transformation from unrighteousness to righteousness. This is a gift, and we cannot add anything to it. We can only receive it. Romans five seventeen and 18 says this. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. This is something that you will not figure out with your mind? How is it that I can be righteous and still have these things that, are, that I know are wrong in my life? I can't comprehend that with my natural intellect. I can only believe the truth by faith in my heart that the word of God says. And the word of God says that Jesus gave us this gift of righteousness, then we are righteousness. It's not something that we earn. It is something that we simply receive. Because God is so gracious, so good, so lavish, so elaborate that he would give us something of such great value that didn't depend on us. It depended on what Jesus accomplished by his life, by his death, by his burial and through his resurrection and seated at the right hand of God. He made the determination to call us righteous. And that is what we are. It's a radical transformation. Number six, things that we can acknowledge right now that are good things in us, that we have access to the father. I don't know about you, but if there's someone out there that claims to be my father, I want to know about it because he might have a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? He might have an inheritance. that's just waiting for me. Ephesians 1 11 says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in, a, in advance. He makes everything work out according to his plan. God chose you in advance. It wasn't an accident. He saw you in your sin and said, There's value there, and I want to lavish it on them. One of the greatest experiences in my 40 years of walking with God just happened a few years ago. I began to relate to God as my father, as my father. I began to take what he said to me as to him, his son. And I began to watch is how I relate to my children and my grandchildren. And I began to see his characteristics in me. How that he has good things. I want good things for my kids. How that he'll correct me when I'm wrong. I'll correct my kids when I need to. But I began to relate to him. And it gave me access. Jesus created that access for it. We need not be in fear of God. We need to be in reverence of God and of Him and experience Him as our Father. Number seven, being born again gives us forgiveness from sin. The definition of sin is missing the mark, not receiving the prize. Mark took me shooting yesterday. It was the first time I'd ever been on a shooting range. I know a little bit of something about missing the mark. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I am an expert at missing the mark. But God sent Jesus to hit the mark for you and I so that we didn't have to be hopelessly lost in our sin, but that we could, because of what Jesus did, be joined with him, have him come, And forgive us of our sins and come and take up residence in our heart. And miss and not miss the mark, but hit the mark for us. So for the next year, I would just charge you work on those things that need to be worked on. But start acknowledging all of those good things that are in you and just see how much different your life is. Your attitude is see good things in people. You might have to take out a microscope or a magnifying glass to find them. You know, I used to tell couples when they came in for counseling, they were fighting with each other. I would say, you know, I want you to take, I want you to go on a fast of saying anything bad about your spouse. You might have to start with really good toenails. You know what I'm saying? It might be something ever so microscopic as that, but just start there and watch how that seed grows and happens. Well, God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, may this word settle in our heart and may it alter us the way that we are, the lifestyle that we live. Lord, may we acknowledge all the good things that are in us that Jesus did for us. And Lord, may our faith be effective because of it in Jesus name. Amen.